0: You're listening to a message from New Life Foursquare Church in Canby, Oregon. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to you. Visit CanbyFoursquare.com to learn more. Well, I feel that that is mutual, Renee. (laughs) Before we begin this morning, I just want to pray... Father, this morning, as we trust and we know that you gather here with us in spirit, I pray that you open up our hearts, you open up our ears to hear from you this morning and to learn from you, to learn from one another. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. We are going to start this morning with an empathy exercise And so if you look in your back seat pocket, you're going to see a green handout. And so take that out right now, and we're going to do this exercise together. As you look at the exercise, we're going to read the instructions. So please, I'm going to start reading the the handout now. So please anonymously check each struggle that you are currently facing or have faced in the past. And it lists a variety of different struggles. Do not write your name on this handout. Fold it in half when you are done and press it toward the main aisle, toward the center. So let's take a moment and try not to overthink it and just complete the exercise together. So if you are currently struggling or have struggled in the past with any of these struggles... Just check mark it, fold it in half. And we're going to be passing them in towards the center aisle in just a minute. You don't need to do so just yet. We're just going to take a quick minute and do this together. And I realize that this may be a bit vulnerable for a Sunday morning. But if we do this together, it's going to be really powerful. It's going to offer us more together so now that you've finished i want you to turn towards the middle aisle and just start passing your papers towards the middle aisle the ushers are going to come and grab them oh sorry this way this way these two main aisles pass towards these two main aisles So wherever you are, pass towards the middle here and the ushers are going to grab them. And what's going to happen is we are going to mix them up and we're going to pass them out again, but you are not going to get yours. You are going to get somebody else's. Okay, and this is all going to be anonymous. And what we're going to do is hold space for one another this morning. hold space for our stories, hold space for our journeys, hold space for our pain. Now the ushers are going to pass them out again in a different order. paper you are about to receive, you are going to represent that person in this exercise. And we have maybe about a fourth left. Thank you for your patience. All right, like I said, the paper in which you received, you are going to represent them. So I'm going to call off the different struggles. And if your paper is checked, marked on that struggle, you are going to stand with me. Or if you cannot stand, you can raise your hand. That's perfectly fine. Are all the handouts passed out? Almost. Just a few last bits here. Ushers, how are we looking? Pretty well covered? Okay, we got the thumbs up. So now we're going to start our exercise together. If you are someone who struggles with addiction, whether that be food, substance, or work, or have struggled with that, would you please stand up? You may sit down. If you are someone who has struggled with anger currently or in the past, please stand up. may be seated. If you've gone through the experience of having the death of a loved one, could you please stand up? You may be seated. If you have struggled with depression or anxiety, please stand up. have struggled with or experienced divorce could you please stand up maybe seated if you've ever struggled with your gender or your sexuality could you please stand up If you've ever struggled with loneliness, please stand up. You may be seated. If you've ever struggled with pride, please stand up. you to take this in for a minute that we are family here that we are family and you see how much pain is manifested and represented in this very room it's real we are hurting it's not out there it's not in the world, and it is in the world, but it's also here, in our very home, in our very family. It's important to take a moment and just to hold that space. You know, why would we do that? To hold that space for one another. For in this very moment, you have the opportunity to sit in someone else's shoes, to represent their pain, to sit with their pain. You may be seated. And the reason why we do that, the reason why we sit with each other is so that we can know that we're not alone. Did you see how many of us stood up when I asked about loneliness? Loneliness, I think, is one of the deepest pains that we can feel in this life, to feel alone. And so we did this exercise this morning so that you can feel in your own pain that you are not alone. You are not alone. That we all have pain. We all have a brokenness within us. We all are engaging with pain on some level. And we stand with you in that. We stand with you in that. There is not even one of us who hasn't lost something, who doesn't fear something, who doesn't ache with some unspoken pain. The body of Christ doesn't offer you some cliche, but something to cling to. And I would say someone to cling to. When we stand in with one another in our pain, we don't offer each other some cliche. That's not what our faith is. Christianity is about. We sit with one another because we know where to cling to. So the message this morning is called When Faith Hurts. When Faith Hurts. And as a mental health professional, I have the privilege, and I really count it as a privilege, to sit with many, many people who are in pain, who are having difficulty of how to navigate it, but can faith hurt? Can faith hurt? It's an interesting question to wrestle with. Last fall, I received a text message from a friend. And paraphrased, it went something like this. The friend said, I can't make our meeting today. My dad unexpectedly had a heart attack. In severe condition at the hospital, we don't know if he's going to make it. This is through a text message. I respond, wow. Wow. I'm so sorry. Praying he can begin to recover soon. Unknowns are so hard. And without skipping a beat, he replied, God is big. Trusting him no matter what, right? And I said, No doubt. And even still, faith can hurt. And he understands that. In that very moment, I had never really contemplated that phrase before faith can hurt that was totally a word just spoken through the spirit and then it caught me by surprise so what is that what does that mean that faith can hurt so i've been chewing on this for gosh close to 10 months now how can our faith hurt and then my response to him i wanted him to know that i was with him in that moment that i was shocked and concerned for the situation And in a sense, I also wanted him to know that God will still be who he is, even when we feel pain, that it was okay to feel pain. But wait, Shannon, if we allow ourselves to really feel the hurt, and I mean really feel the hurt and pain, does that mean we're not having enough faith in God? Isn't this a question that we honestly ask ourselves sometimes? A way of, I can't go there because I just need to trust God. Well, let's break it down a little bit. What is faith? In Hebrews 11, it tells us now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for, and assurance about what we do not see. So how does faith, this confidence, interact with our brokenness? As we look at God's word, and really in its entirety, they seem to be very closely related. That faith and pain are related somehow. How do they interact with each other? Ezekiel was forbidden to mourn the death of his wife, and he died in exile. Tamar, who suffered severe abuse at the hand of her brother and was left for desolate. Jeremiah, continually persecuted and imprisoned. Job, afflicted in his household, his family, his body, his mind, His spirit was broken. Our speaker last week, Ray Keen of the Canby Center, reminded me, or really taught me, of this one. What about Moses' mother? Who had to give up her newborn son. I think he was about three months old. Put him into a basket and down the river. I cannot even imagine the great deal of pain My husband and I were talking about this story, and he says, Yeah, it's not like she was going down to the river saying, Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. You know, I'm just going to rush my child down the river. No, I imagine she was broken, broken to lose her child. And what was her name? Jochebed. I had to look it up. She has a name, she was a person. Jochebed. And we cannot forget Jesus, <laughs> our Savior. Isaiah 53 reminds us that he was a man of sorrows, that he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering, very, very familiar with pain. Very familiar. He is the one who, Ann Voskamp says, died crying. He died crying. He knows suffering. He knows pain. And oftentimes these stories don't exactly comfort us because I'm wondering if we're wanting our faith to do something it was never meant to do. Are we wanting our faith to do something for us today? That it wasn't meant to offer you. So sometimes we ask, well, what's the point, Lord? If pain is inevitable, if we're all just a bunch of broken people, if faith won't take my pain away today, then how is it relevant? These are the questions our world is asking today. Generationally, how is faith relevant? How is faith relevant today if it won't change anything? If my pain will remain. Our faith isn't meant to be used to get rid of pain. Our faith is meant to sit with our pain. Let me say that again. Our faith isn't meant to be used to get rid of pain. Our faith is meant to sit with our pain. Faith does not dismiss our pain. Faith does not discount our pain. It holds. It holds confidence. It holds space in the midst of pain. It's meant to sit and be with our pain. It's vital, it's critical. Our faith is important. It holds this confidence. In the midst of brokenness, confident that he will keep his promises. Jeremiah, or Joshua, excuse me. Confident that we can experience God even through pain, lamentations. Confident that he has a righteous plan for us. That's Jeremiah. Confident that he will never leave, never forsake us. Job. Confident that his presence will be our refuge and salvation. The entire book of Psalms. (laughs) We can hold this confidence, but it's not meant to dismiss. It's not meant to eradicate. It's not meant to band-aid our pain. The important question this morning is, how can we hold that confidence, how can we have faith without discounting my pain, without discounting one another's pain? My first point is to create space for your own pain. What does that mean, to create space for my pain? It means to allow yourself to acknowledge it. To acknowledge it. To not be in denial of the pain that you do feel. So that you can receive comfort. You can receive his presence. If you don't acknowledge it, you're not going to receive. To receive him in that place. To allow yourself to feel it. So that it doesn't get stuck. Did you know that your body, your body, that God designed, stores emotions? It stores memories in your body. And if you have pain that you have not allowed yourself to feel, guess where it is? In your body. Sitting there. Sometimes it's stuck and it can't get out. You may notice it as other things. You may feel it in your body in other ways. Ann Voskamp writes in The Broken Way that great grief isn't meant to fit inside your body. Great grief isn't meant to live inside of here. I've often wondered, Lord, why did you make us with the ability to cry? Why did you make us with the ability to cry? What is it that our body needs to get it out? It needs to let out through our tears the pain. And through that, pain allows, it allows it to move, to get worked through. If you don't feel it, it's going to stay stuck and it's going to stay lodged. It may look like depression. It may look like anger. If you are angry, most of the time, most days and most days of the week, you have pain that you're not feeling. Anger is not feeling pain. Anger is secondary. It's called a secondary emotion. Anger reveals to me There's something going on here at a deeper level. Maybe I'm sad. Maybe I'm scared. Okay? We have to go into those deeper places and deal with them. When you create space, you're allowing yourself to feel that pain. But hear me, I'm not saying to... Okay, so I'm going to create space and feel pain, but I'm not saying to um, begin to build a a campsite around it and blow up your raft and, and just start swimming in it. You know, like just bask in your pain. You know, create space for it. Make it center stage. Live in your pain. I'm not saying that. However, you may have days and seasons where great grief is needed. And it will fill up an entire day. It will fill up an entire week. There are seasons and days like that that we are called to. For most of us, we just need to give ourselves permission to actually feel the pain that we are feeling, to allow our faith to sit with that pain so that we can move through it with the Lord and see what he wants to do with that. And in that place of feeling it, what I often run across is a fear. But Shannon, if I feel it, it's going to overcome me. I can't it's gonna to be too much. I have yet to experience that with someone where they allowed themselves to feel it. And they and they and they couldn't endure that, that the Lord was faithful to meet them in that place. It is scary. It is scary. And especially if you haven't Really pressed into that pain at all. The Gospels repeatedly tell us in Luke and Mark do not be afraid. Do not be afraid to press into that. And our faith in that place sits with us and says, Because I will be with you. Our faith, our belief in God, that I will be with you in that place as you feel the pain. the last part of creating space for our pain is to allow ourselves to accept it so that we can be freed up to accept pain. How much time and energy do we spend not feeling pain? How much money have we spent on not feeling pain? In a variety of ways. Self-help books, food, shopping... Any, any, any way that our addictions like to manifest themselves, to not feel the pain. One book that I found immensely helpful in my mental health practice and in my own life was written by Paul Tillich, called The Courage to Be. And here's what he says. The courage to be is the courage to accept oneself in spite of being unacceptable. The courage to be is the courage to accept oneself in spite of being unacceptable. Well, what on earth does that mean? <laughs> right? <laughs> like, what? To accept oneself. And what I think it means is while we are fully human, we have all these aspects to us that we judge. While we are fully human, if we take it back to the exercise we did at the beginning, within this very room, within my very own person, struggling with addiction, struggling with anger. Here's our humanity, right? Struggling with grieving, struggling with depression, struggling with anxiety, struggling with divorce, struggling with gender and sexuality, struggling with loneliness, struggling with pride, right? This is our humanity, that we are a broken people. And while we are fully human, we have all these aspects that we deem are unacceptable. These are unacceptable. This is what makes me unworthy. This is what makes me disgusting. This is what makes me unlovable. This is what makes me too sinful. And some of these things you may have even been told that this is who you are that you are an addict, that you are depressed, that you are bipolar, that you are a widow. This is who you are. And the courage is to stand in the middle of all that brokenness. That's real. The brokenness is real. The pain is real. But to stand in the middle of that and say, "Okay, I'm broken. I'm broken. And I'm beloved. I am beloved. I am forgiven. I am chosen. That is who I am. That is who I am. What this does, it allows room. It allows room. Not for the pain to be center stage, but for the, the grief and the pain to be there, to exist in the outer realms. This is real. My brokenness is real. But ultimately, you are a person. You are not your struggle. You're not your struggle. You are a person created, designed, made for him to bring God glory. And he delights in you. You are chosen by him. You are forgiven. It allows the pain to exist. But not to have the power. Not to have the power. And all of a sudden, when we allow it to just be, we can breathe a little more. Rather than say, I just need to, to get rid of it. I just needed it to go away. It's okay to let it be, be what it is, and stand rooted in the middle of who God's called you to be. Another book that's been helpful for me in accepting pain is by a man named Viktor Frankl who wrote the book Man's Search for Meaning. And he writes... It is the spiritual freedom which cannot be taken away that makes this life meaningful and purposeful. This was a man for those who may not be aware. This was a man who endured, lived through and survived horrific abuse through the Holocaust, at a concentration camp. He has seen the worst of humanity. The absolute worst. And through his writing and through his surviving came to this insight that I I really feel is divine and powerful, that there's this inner spiritual core to you and I, our faith, our faith, that no one can take away. No pain, no circumstance. To me, that is sustainable. That is sustainable. No matter what circumstance we may be feeling this morning or a circumstance we have felt, that there's an inner core to us, similar to Paul Tillich's writing, there's an inner core to us that no one can take for us. No one can take it away. And it doesn't mean the pain goes away, right? The circumstance may never change. But our faith isn't meant to get rid of the pain. Our faith is meant to sit with our pain, to sit with it, not dismiss it. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, he says, be still and know that I am God. Know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth And my dear friend, Christina Wallen, she gave this reflection of that verse. She said, it's the stillness. It's the stillness. It's that inner core. It's the stillness that preserves a quiet confidence, our faith, in the God who is very present, help, in trouble, our strength, our refuge. It's the stillness to quiet ourselves, to be in the stillness of his presence that preserves our faith, our confidence that He is with us. He is our refuge. He is our refuge in the midst of pain. So the next point is how do we then hold space for others? So we've been talking about how do we create space for our own pain, but I also want to speak into how do we create space for other people? How do we hold space for one another? This video, I think, portrays it in a really helpful way.
1: (gasps) I know what it's like down here, and you're not alone. Sympathy is, ooh, it's bad, uh huh. Uh, no, you want a sandwich? Uh, empathy is a choice, and it's a vulnerable choice because in order to connect with you, I have to connect with something in myself that knows that feeling. at least you have a marriage. (laughs) John's getting kicked out of school. At least Sarah is an A student. But one of the things we do sometimes in the face of very difficult conversations is we try to make things better. If I share something with you that's very difficult, I'd rather you say, I don't even know what to say right now. I'm just so glad you told me. Because the truth is, rarely can a response make something better. What makes something better is connection.
0: I think there's so much truth to that. There's so much truth to that, that empathy brings connection. So in making disciples and sitting with one another, it's inevitable that we're going to be sitting with pain. Because we all have it. So how do we hold that space for one another? As the video clip mentioned, it's one step is moving away from cliches. And while a cliche or a platitude may hold some truth, sometimes, <laughs> timing is really critical. Most of the time, we just need to sit with someone and listen and ask questions. Move away from cliches. Have you ever heard the cliche, God will never give you more than you can handle? I'm not a fan of that. <laughs> uh, nor do I think it's biblical. God will never give you more than you can handle. For one, the, where that phrase even comes from, the context of that verse is not even talking about pain. It's talking about temptations, that you will not be tempted. And that's a whole nother subject temptation and and our choice and what we do with temptation is very different than a pain that you did not choose. Okay? This one article reflected on that platitude in this way. He said, but the saying God will never give you more than you can handle tells me or is trying to tell me that I have what it takes It tells me that I can bear whatever comes my way. It tells me God permits trials only according to my ability to endure it. What does that say about God's role? (laughs) Right? That puts a whole lot of pressure in our ability, in our strengths, in our gifts, in our talents. And it's not about how strong or if we're strong enough to endure. It's about the grace of God. And how he sits with us and walks with us through the pain. It's not our ability. Oftentimes I find that God will give more than I can handle. To bring me to the end of myself. And to sit with me there. And to love me there. Even as I feel unacceptable. That I am acceptable by his grace and love. It's not about being good enough. It's not about being good enough. It's about being at the end of ourselves and receiving his love. So I'm asking us to empathize and to sit with and to listen and to show up. This is the big one for us this morning, is to show up. Do you have someone in mind that is going through a really difficult time? What would it be like for you to show up in their pain? To sit with them, to ask them questions, to love them in that place. To ask and to listen The Jewish people have this really beautiful way of sitting with specifically death. They have a whole year-long process when someone close to them dies. It's a year-long process of intentional engagement with pain. They are not dismissing it. So when visiting someone, this is a Jewish custom, when visiting someone mourning, a guest should not try to express grief with standard shallow platitudes. The guest should allow the mourner to initiate conversation. One should not divert the conversation from talking about the deceased. To do so would limit the mourner's ability to fully express their grief, which is the purpose of the mourning period. On the contrary, the caller should encourage conversation about the deceased. I love how we can learn from one another. <laughs> if you have someone who's lost someone, the death of someone recently, was the like to sit with them? Well, Shannon, they might lose it. They might lose it. They might. That's all right. Sit with them in that place. Sit with them in that pain. Because our faith is not meant to get rid of the pain. That's how we can sit with them. The faith is meant to sit with the pain and commune with him. We are going to now enter into communion, but I want to share some thoughts about communion because this is really, I've just learned this this last year, and it's just been a really powerful way to view this experience that we partake in once a month called communion. And what it represents and and how we enter into it. And as believers in Acts, it tells us that we are to, I believe I have this slide up. We are to devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching, to God's word, and to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer, the breaking of bread with one another, And in Luke, this was Jesus sitting with his disciples. And when he took the bread, he gave thanks and he broke it. And he gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now already, we can sense, right, that we're kind of checking out a little bit. Okay, maybe I've heard this a number of times. Okay, so let's really intentionally read this again. And he took the bread, he gave thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this is the cup of my new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Which is poured out for you. Much of my reflections of communion this morning come from my reading of The Broken Way by Ann Voskamp. No one knew brokenness and pain like Jesus. He took it. He took it, the bread. And he gave thanks to the Father. And he broke it, if I can do that. He broke it. And what did this symbolize? What did this symbolize? His body. His body broken for us. Broken for us. He gives his life, his whole life, his givenness. And I love this, what Ann Boskamp, she she said, what else is life-giving than for Jesus to break his body through the great sacrifice and offer it to us? We use that term a lot. It was life-giving. This is life-giving for the Christ to break his body and offer it to you, to me. The miracle, the intimacy of communion, I feel this so deeply. This activity is not just an activity. It is intimacy with the Father. The miracle, the intimacy of communion comes through brokenness. When our own brokenness meets the brokenness of this world, when it meets us together in this room, our brokenness in this room, don't we enter into and taste The brokenness and the givenness of Christ. That our brokenness is wrapped up into His brokenness and He has taken it on fiercely. He has taken it on. In Isaiah 53, it says, surely he took up our pain, he bore our suffering, it was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, was on him. The whole reason why we can have faith that gives us confidence, that gives us peace when we sit with our pain is because he bore it It's because Christ bore the pain. He accomplished it. It's that great mystery of how in death, how in brokenness is their resurrection? How is their brokenness, Jesus breaking for him, for us, offer us life, healing, peace, redemption? And in the same way, he took the cup. This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which I offer to you. And Jesus says to you with this cup that I love you. I covenant myself to you, and I forgive you through my blood, through my blood. I'm proposing this morning that instead of taking communion as we normally do, which is with our friends and our family, I would love for us to do it individually. Just you and the Father. To have that communion with him. And the worship team is going to come, and we are going to just soak in his presence in worship, but take this time to sit before the lord specifically in that core where we accept our brokenness we accept our humanity and we also accept his love in accepting the brokenness we also can ex- we can accept his abundance his resurrection so some instructions for communion it's open to everyone here It's open to everyone. Come at any time during worship. If you have a prayer request or a praise report, please write them on the welcome cards in your back seat. We would love to hear, and we would love to be praying for you. You can set those in the the baskets up front. You can also bring your giving at that time. If you're unable to come forward for communion, please raise your hand, and we will come to you. And this is also a wonderful time to receive prayer from our prayer teams. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your promises and your holy presence that allows us the ability to have a faith in which we can trust you. In which we can trust you, Father. Thank you for allowing us to have faith that sits with our pain, that comforts us, that can deliver us. Lord, even if our pain, our circumstance will not change today, even if, Father, come be with us now. May you see our hearts of faith May we trust you and commune with you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. Please let us know if you have questions or would like us to pray with you. You can contact the church office most weekdays at 503-266-4444 and anytime through canby4square.com.